Give me four. You know, when yeah. I took the bar exam, <laughs> I didn't care if I passed by one one point. As long as I passed, that's all that mattered to me, right? And when I got the guy, volume or, or okay, the, yeah, with well, the guy who finished his last in law school still an attorney, still a doctor. right? Yeah, or or doctor, doctor, yeah, doctor, yeah, yeah medical yeah. school, yeah, medical, no. same thing. You're right. Gary, just look at me. We're yeah. not talking for 10, 15 minutes. Right, okay. Welcome to Muddy River News this week. Furnished by Harvey's, I'm Bob Goff. My guest today is Todd Eiler. He's the first assistant state's attorney in the Adams County for the Adams County state's attorney, but he is also running for a promotion. Welcome. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for having me. Why the announcement now? Well, why not? I might as well get started. Uh, there's a lot of time uh, between now and next year's election, but. The more I can get out now and, and be known and get my uh, message out, I think the better. You uh, came aboard the state's attorney's office when Gary Farha was elected, so you will have a full eight years as the assistant under your belt. Uh, what do you believe have been some of the best accomplishments in that office uh, since you've been there with uh, Mr. Farha? So I think some of the best accomplishments that uh, Gary's administration and his office have uh, resulted in is just the the communication and the ability to work with different offices within the county I, I also think the cohesiveness of our office we have a great office we have a great working staff uh, we all get along and we work together it truly is a team effort and everybody does what they need to do to, to pitch in and help so so when you say that then uh, should you win uh, the office then would you you wouldn't look for major changes then i mean everybody's going to put their own stamp on an office Correct. Everybody's going to want that, and there will be, there will be some tweaks. There will be. I have some ideas about different uh, things that I would like to do, but as far as staff, absolutely not. Nobody's going anywhere. Everybody's keeping their job because everybody does a great job. That uh, there would be some programs that I would like to implement, maybe some uh, policy type changes, but nothing significant. Our, our office, uh, you know, deals with the cases that we deal with and we do a good job but you can always improve and always do better uh it seems to me and again i know uh, i know COVID rocked everybody and and it seems like government and life in general really came to a standstill it it seems to me and again i don't i'm not casting this as a blame on adams county specifically because it's everywhere that the wheels of justice have never moved rapidly but it seems like they move a lot slower these days is that just a perception or is that really the case no i wholeheartedly agree and unfortunately i think that is true uh i covid definitely put uh, a slowdown on the criminal justice system and i think to the detriment of everybody involved and i think we need to do everything we can to try to speed that process back up now there is a process and unfortunately as you said that process takes time and and in various cases based upon issues that have to be dealt with, they drag on and they take time. But everything that we can do to push that, those cases forward and make that process quicker is better because just, it, it, it's cliche, but justice delayed is justice denied. And not only do we have to worry about protecting the rights of defendants, individuals that are charged, we have victims that we cannot forget about. And Every day that that case drags on is another day that they are suffering and anguishing and dealing with those issues that brought that case forward. I think one thing that has been evident as of late, you mentioned victims, and when we see cases that are either dragged out or we see cases where perhaps there's been an ending and then not an ending, so to speak, it seems like victims, 
torture is too tough a word, but it's very it's very tough on them. And I know your office and the advocacy groups have done a fantastic job in working with those victims. But what else can do you think can be done to really sort of help them in, in their times of trauma? So we we are lucky in that we have some great advocacy groups in this community, as you referenced. We have Quinata. We have the Child Advocacy Center that deals with children, and those groups are amazing. I absolutely plan on continuing our working relationship with them, uh, looking to improve those relationships and do anything more that we can to assist them. But I also want our office to put more emphasis on and, and do anything more that we can for victims and those rights. We have one victim witness coordinator right now, and she does an amazing job but we need to get her some help. We need to give her some more resources to be able to do what she does. Uh, the, the, the amount of, of uh, torture is a good word because that's what victims deal with at times. They are tortured, they are um, frustrated, they, their, their life comes to a standstill until a case is resolved. And many times even after the case is resolved, there are many un, undealt issues or unresolved issues that they have. So anytime we can provide them with services or point them to services, anything that we can do to help them, I think it's our obligation and our duty to do so. Um, of course, uh, you know, Adams County is in the state of Illinois. How difficult or how easy or how is it to deal with and work with the policies of the state of Illinois when you're trying to prosecute crime? <sighs> so <laughs> we, we are in the state of Illinois and unfortunately the, the, the push in the criminal justice system in Illinois is what it is and it makes it hard. Uh, the, there's been a push lately to basically minimize crime, to reduce the uh, amount of punishment and do everything that the legislature can do to help reform and help allow defendants to move on. And that's part of it and, and I, I, I welcome that and I will uh, join in that but at the same time at some point enough is enough and we cannot lose sight of the big picture and when they pass laws that uh, decriminalize certain offenses or, or make the, the punishment less than what it was previously, it makes it hard. So the one thing that we can do is try to focus on being steadfast and consistent with how we deal with cases, how we handle cases, and that we send that strong message that violent offenders need to be punished, they need to be put behind, behind bars, and this community will not tolerate uh, a, a level of, of or a standard that's not acceptable. We all deserve and are entitled to live in a safe community and I absolutely intend to do that if I'm elected to make sure that our office continues to be tough on crime and, and have a, a common sense approach to it because so many times you see people whether it's on social media or just people in general talking about a case they just they can't understand why or how something happened and sometimes we forget about common sense. And I think when we do that, that's a mistake. You mentioned decriminalization. What, uh, you know, we, we've had uh, marijuana legalized here for a couple of years now. What sort of impact has that had in our criminal justice system? So the argument has always been that legalizing marijuana, it's, it's a gateway drug and it's going to lead to other problems. And, and I think we're seeing that. I don't know that we are seeing a huge influx of crime because of marijuana and or the legalization of that, but it is a slippery slope. And depending upon how far and how fast you fall down that slope, it really depends on the person. Um, we see, I, I don't know that we've seen an uptick in crime because of that. 
but it doesn't, it doesn't help. It certainly doesn't. Because there are people who maybe never thought they would go down that path. And once they start down that path using legal marijuana, it just leads to other things. And eventually, for some people, they lose complete control. And, that, and that's where it's unfortunate the most. Of course, the state's attorney's office mostly recognized for the prosecution of criminals. One of your other tasks in the office, though, is also be the legal advisor for the county. Um, you or Gary Farha usually are at all of the county board meetings to determine what happens there. Uh, with the county, of course, we had an issue earlier this year, or was it last year, about uh, open meetings and that sort of thing. But from what I understand, the county board members are now going through training. Is your office kind of assisting in that role? We are assisting in that, and we're doing anything and everything that we can to make sure that everybody on the county board is informed and has all the information and the tools necessary to fully understand what their obligations are and what they should or should not be doing. And again, I just think all in, in transparency, and again, this is, uh, when you talk about what we try to do here, um, you know that uh, there's a, a pretty prominent case going on right now, and your office and this organization don't exactly agree on some things right now. But in looking at that, talk to me about why, from, from your office's perspective, is it important to, uh, in, and we're talking about the Tim Bleefnick case, of course, why is it important in general in your office to not have everything out there right now and say, okay, look, once this is, once our jury is seated, once we get into this, you can have all the access to all the evidence. Why is it important for the action that's being taken right now? Because one of the first questions when that jury is brought in or any jury is brought in, one of the first questions that they are asked is what have they heard and or read and or know about this case? And if individuals within the community know and have access to information that we have and that law enforcement has right now, they're going to be, it's inherent that they will be tainted one way or the other. And that goes both ways. There's a taint that biases uh, on behalf of the defendant and one that biases on behalf of the prosecution. And neither side wants that. You want a fair and impartial jury. You want somebody who will sit there and listen to all the facts without having any preconceived notions and if the, for example, there are a lot of evidentiary motions that have been filed that are sealed that you are referring to, and those motions contain specific information, and if people are aware of that specific information, they're going to start coming to their own conclusions. They're going to start to deliberate before that case ever starts, and that's not fair to the defendant, it's not fair to the prosecution and the citizens of this county, and it's not fair, certainly, to the victim in that case. So you're not looking, you, you're saying you don't want an exotic road trip to Menard County for a change of venue. <laughs> That's what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know that anybody does. It's lovely this time of yeah. year. So, well, uh, Todd Eiler, anyway, I thank you for your time and your candor in this interview. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, it seems like all campaigns are long campaigns, but your election will be here before you know it. And, you know, we'll see if you have an opponent. We'll see if you don't. But uh, in the meantime, thank you for the work you're doing on behalf of the people of Adams County. Well, thank you. All right, that's all the time we have for now. I'm Bob Goff. We'll see you next week.